fedoras, trench coats, and guns are all in abundant supply in this month's special Gangsters edition of the WB Real News Podcast. Let's get started. First up, we have Bonnie and Clyde, starring Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway in one of the most influential films in the history of American cinema. And now for the first time ever, digitally remastered with more than three hours of bonus footage, this is one duo that's more than just dynamic. easily have been a wild romantic lark but almost before they knew it with the giggles still in their ears they had bloodied up four states Just figured on some easy pickings, didn't you, Frank? You know, Texas Ranger, you ain't hardly doing your job. You ought to be home protecting the rats of poor folk, not out chasing after us. I know, but we'll take a look. What do you want to do with him then? Hang him. I don't know. Ah, take his picture. And then everybody's going to see Captain Frank Hammer of the Texas Rangers with the Barra Gang. Now, you know, we are just about the friendliest folks you would ever want to meet. Hey, Buck. Yeah. Get the Kodak. Ah, doggies! <laughs> hold it, hold it! That's Bonnie, Faye Dunaway. That's Clyde, Warren Beatty. percentage in it. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I don't like boys. <laughs> boy. Boy, boy. Huh? Boy, what? Your advertising is just dandy. Folks never guess you don't have a thing to sell. You better take me home now. Now, you wait, wait. now don't you touch me. All you want's a stud service. You get on back to West Dallas and you stay there the rest of your life. 
But you're worth more than that, a lot more than that, and you know it, and that's why you come along with me. You can find a lover boy on every damn corner in town. It don't make a damn to them whether you're waiting on tables to pick cotton, but it does make a damn to me. Why? Why? What do you mean, why? Because you're different, that's why. You know, you're like me, you want different things. You got something better than being a waitress. You and me traveling together, we could cut a path clean across this state, and Kansas, and Missouri, and Oklahoma, and everybody'd know about it. You listen to me, Miss Bonnie Parker, you listen to me. Now, how would you like to go walking in the dining room of the Dolphus Hotel in Dallas, wearing a nice silk dress and have everybody waiting on you? Do you like that? Does that seem like a lot to ask? That ain't enough for you. You got a right to that. Hey. When did you figure all that up? The minute I saw you. Why? Because you may be the best damn girl in Texas. This was the first big feature that I got my hands on, you know, this script, and it was amazing. I had a manager who went up the five flights of the walk-up. I remember saying, you have to do this, you have to do this. I said, yeah, I know, it's pretty good. I mean, it was a very wonderful role, obviously, you know, with such colors, and there was tragedy, there was poetry, there was vulnerability, there was sexuality. I mean, everybody in Hollywood wanted it. And I darn near didn't get it, because I gained weight for the dirt farmer's wife in Hurry Sundown, and then so I, I, I had to take the weight off, and I did take it off quite quite fast as it was, as it were. But anyway, I auditioned for Arthur Penn and for Warren Beatty. So I met this young woman, Faye Dunaway. Um, I thought she was not right for the part, but I thought that she was gonna be a big deal. And I liked her very much, and I knew that she was just the kind of person that, that uh, Arthur Penn would like. So I said, look, there's a girl I want you to meet because it's your kind of actress and you're gonna think she's great. I said, I don't know if I want her in the movie, but I think you should meet her. I'd seen her in uh, After the Fall in New York, and uh, I remembered her as being kind of a beauty, but I sort of had the memory that she was an actress. She could act. She went down to meet him, and, and then uh, he called me in about 45 minutes, and I think I want her in the picture. And so I, I think I, in an unconscious level, I, I knew that this was going to happen. Warren kind of had to be talked into it a little bit. And for some reason, Arthur really saw it. He saw what I could do in spite of the fact that I was a little too fleshy and I wasn't a big star yet. But Faye was the person to go with. She was and is as dedicated and as energetic and as uh, uh, driven as any actress uh, that I've known. <laughs> <laughs> How about that now? Ain't you something? I'm from North Florida, which is very Southern, so I grew up with those kinds of people. I often say and it's the role that was most like me, that was closest to me, it was closest to Dorothy Faye Dunaway, who is who I am and always have been, you know? So that kind of Southern girl wanting to get out was, very, was and still is very close to me. We're packing heat with the DVD release of Warner Brothers Pictures' Gangster's Collection, Volume 3. This latest group of crime genre classics features six new-to-DVD gangster flicks, three of which make their first home video appearance. The director's camera moves, as here, keep 
the scene's crackling pace and the picture's overall lightning speed. And now an entrance fit for a star, Cagney bursting out on the rooftop stairs, wiping his usher uniform and running. These bits of movement are iconic with Cagney. He's always in motion. He's a man in a hurry. But comic inversion is going on here, too. He is a lowly movie usher at taking orders, not giving them. Cagney's first close-up shows another bit of movement. He's standing still, but chewing gum. Now, this bit of business is plebeian, as we would expect from the Cagney persona, and also transgressive. He is breaking the law, which is also Cagney expectant. So, as not to get caught, he spits it out. It is a vulgar, outrageous gesture, and vulgarity and outrageousness are what we expect, what we associate with the Cagney persona. This reaction is daring on his part, but above all, it's so very, very human. How often we chew gum, how often we chew gum when we're not supposed to chew gum, and how often we are abraded for it, and how often our immediate response, more mental than actual, is to spit it out, unlike Cagney, whose immediate reaction is more actual than mental. There's another thing about the Cagney persona. He's so human, not above us, not below us, he's one of us. Finally, Cagney makes with the words. He's given a smart, alecky retort, quite in persona. Why dirty and unkempt? I've been walking around on my knees to give my arches a rest. This is an important scene because what we're going to talk about a lot through this film is the the fact that this is a pre-code film, meaning that it was before the code was enforced in July of 1934 under Joseph Breen. And there's a lot of stuff in here that you would not see after 1934. And part of the reason you didn't see these films often on television or even re-released was that they couldn't get reassigned a production code number after 1934, and so they sort of rotted on the shelves of Warner Brothers. That's why most people are not familiar with films like this. This scene here, particularly, where she whispers something into Robinson's ear, indicating some problem that she has that she needs money for. And then later we see the character she pays the money to. And it's obviously it had something to do with drugs or prostitution or even an abortion. Because when we see the Boris Karloff character later, we see that he's sort of a hopped up character who's an illegal, obviously in illegal activities. We can't even seem to agree because I think he looks like a pimp and his name is Sport Williams. Right. So the whole angle of prostitution. And here you see that's Karloff in the shadows there. Uh, The film also memorable because not only did all three of these men, Karloff, and Robinson and Cagney become huge stars within the year, but also because of it being a pre-code film, which allowed it to be a lot freer in dealing with sexuality, with women, with issues of gambling, giving sympathetic portraits of criminal characters like the Robinson character himself. We well, know what's film. really the. It's he's not a criminal, is he? I mean, gambling is illegal, but um, the criminal he activity here. Well, we'll we'll get to that. But no, he's doing illegal activities. He is a criminal. That's all, folks. This has been another episode of the WB Real News Podcast, your inside look at Warner Brothers movies and DVDs. Subscribe to this podcast to automatically receive the next edition and send your comments and suggestions to podcast at wb.com. Thanks for watching.